Welcome to Kids Considered, where two pediatricians discuss children's health topics of interest to parents in a podcast with new subjects considered every episode. I'm Dr. Lena Vanderlist. And I'm Dr. Dean Blumberg. And we're both pediatricians at UC Davis Children's Hospital in Sacramento, California. So for our listeners, they remember our last episode was on picky eating in the toddler age group, which is frustrating, but a normal, normal normal phase. And we learned some really great strategies on how parents can try and sophisticate their palate and, you know, get kids to explore new foods. Right. Um, But today we're going to move to an older age group and we're pleased to introduce a special guest today to help us with this topic. Right. Today, we want to welcome Amber Stott. She's the chief food genius, which I love your title, at the Food Literacy Center here in Sacramento. Welcome. Thanks, Amber, for being with us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. Great. So um, tell us, Amber, what ages do you specialize in in terms of trying to trying to encourage kids to eat a healthy diet and eat their vegetables? We work in after-school programs in Title I schools, so we're working with food-insecure and low-income elementary kids in K through 6th grade. Okay, kindergarten through 6th grade, and could you just explain what Title I is? Title I means that there's a large majority of students in that particular school who are low-income. And what an important age group, right? Kindergarten through sixth grade. This is one of those key times for development. And unfortunately, the picky eating can happen at this age. Absolutely. But what we have found is that it's very easy to get kids to eat their vegetables. They love them and they love the opportunity. I think what ends up happening is that we as adults tend to get in the way of their exploration. And we tend to pre determine for them whether they like a thing or not. For example, it can take kids 10 to 15 tastes of something before they decide they like it. And, you know, I think we all have that nephew who didn't eat bell peppers one day. And every time he's in front of a bell pepper, we go, oh, well, he doesn't eat those. Oh, yeah. You hear that so much like, oh, they don't they don't like mushrooms or (laughs) they don't like this. Exactly. And that becomes how we're defining our child uh, when in reality, they're actually pretty brave and willing to taste things again and again, as long as it's a safe space and a positive space. A thing that we do in our program is, you know, if, if somebody says, I don't like carrots, we'll say, well, you know, can you tell me why you don't like them? Did you taste this carrot? Uh, maybe you didn't like the other kind of carrot that you had, but this is a different carrot. And oftentimes the kid will taste it or sometimes they're still not in the mood. And we say, OK, you might not like carrots today. We'll try again another day. That's cool. And we just make it very positive and we move on. Uh, we don't spend, you know, 40 minutes drilling them on the carrot. There's plenty of other awesome things that we're offering. So if the carrot isn't the thing they want that day, great. Let's move on to cabbage. Let's move on to uh, green onions, whatever it is. I love it. And could you tell us a little bit about, so you said it's an after school program. Can you tell us about what a typical day would look like and maybe some tools that parents could take from that after-school program and utilize at home? 
Sure. So what we're doing is we're going into uh, various schools in South Sacramento and we're delivering a 45 minute curriculum. And we typically in any one school do this three times a day. So we're testing our lessons and our recipes and our curriculum. Um, It's a 14 week curriculum and we're doing that with hundreds of kids a week. So we get feedback pretty quickly about things that um, they do and don't like. And we've also been able to test and come up with what we call our broccoli boundaries and our radish routines, which is a methodology over the years. We're an eight-year-old nonprofit. These are tips and tricks that our various um, instructors have tried that have become standard because no matter what instructor tries these little tips and tricks, they always work. And so the broccoli boundaries, and these are things that parents could use at home. Absolutely. Um, broccoli boundaries is is what the kinds of rules that we're setting and the boundaries we're establishing to create a positive environment where our kids are going to succeed and have fun with vegetables. And then our radish routines are things that we're repeating again and again and again to build healthy habits. So um, an example of a broccoli boundary would be we have a rule. We say, don't yuck my yum. So <laughs> it's a, a pretty natural response for kids to, uh, when they see a new thing to say, ew and gross. And it's our job as adults to not allow that attitude and to create a different environment. So we have that rule. We say, you know, the thing that you don't like might be your neighbor or your friends or even my very favorite thing. And we don't want to hurt people's feelings. So don't yuck my yum. And then if uh, as adults, we then have to hold ourselves to that, right? If a mushroom comes out and we're not fans of mushrooms, um, we'll hear kids tell us, don't yuck my yum. That's a good, healthy boundary. Yeah. And that's a good thing that they can take home to the dinner table. And do you guys teach kids to teach their parents? Oh, yeah. And it's just automatically happens, right? (laughs) Kids fall in love and get excited and they take that stuff home. Absolutely. I liked what you mentioned about carrots because I love carrots. And I appreciate that, you know, different carrots do taste differently. But the kids are open to that. They don't just think like a carrot is just a carrot. Oh, gosh, no. And that's part of taste education. And this is so critical. You know, as parents, we know that we've got to get our kids to brush their teeth or their health is going to suffer. But when it comes to vegetables, we don't see them as necessary the way we do teeth brushing. And they are. This is critical. We have a 40% childhood obesity rate in Sacramento. One in three kids has type 2 diabetes. And all of this is preventable if kids are eating their vegetables, but it is a habit just like brushing their teeth that we have to teach them. And so we really focus on taste education because again, when these kids have repeat exposure, this is a radish routine of giving a kid a taste of something again and again and again, they build up a habit of knowing today I'm going to have a vegetable with every snack or meal, for example. And so with a carrot, for example, we'll bring in different types of carrots. Um, Some days we're going to roast the carrot. Some days we're going to eat it raw. One day it might be a purple carrot. And maybe another time it's an orange carrot. Some days we're going to grate the carrot. Other times we're going to cut the carrot into coins. And kids will tell you, and maybe one day we dip it in ranch. Maybe another day we add it to a salad. And all of those experiences repeated with that carrot 
um, will begin to show kids that just because you didn't like the carrot the one time, there's so many other opportunities for you to fall in love with a carrot. And they quickly lose their negative attitude toward vegetables and their fear of trying new things. And we call them food adventurers. And we always tell them they're very brave when they taste new things. That's great. You know, fall in love with a carrot. You're so romantic about, <laughs> about it. <laughs> well, and also this is about not taking things away. This is about adding, right? Um, because yes, of course, we don't want kids eating junk food. But what we're trying to establish is by asking them and inviting them eat a fruit or vegetable with every snack or meal, they're going to build up a habit that, oh, I'm being given a snack, but I don't have a fruit or vegetable in front of me. Hey, mom, don't forget I need a fruit or vegetable with my snack. I love that. And that kind of leads me to a question where you guys are an after school program. So 45 minute curriculum. Are you noticing that these kids are bringing their food adventure mentality to lunch at school? Or how is the school district working with you to incorporate more veggies in school? And are parents saying that they see a change at home as well? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And so we are in a variety of schools and we're an eight-year-old nonprofit. So some of our very oldest schools that we've been in for five plus years, the school district actually goes out of their way in several of these schools to work with us to partner on a vegetable of the month. So all of the public schools in California have salad bars. And the problem is that those budgets don't come with any taste education. So what the school district's concern is, is that they oftentimes will see that they can only buy the same kinds of foods over and over and over again, because those are the maybe five that the kids have been exposed to. And then for the school, if they put something new and different, like purple cabbage, um, it will get wasted because the kids don't know what it is and they don't know if they'll like it and they're afraid because there hasn't been taste education. So in the schools where we've worked for five plus years, the entire culture of the school begins to shift where every single kid is a food adventurer. And so in those schools, we work with the district and we choose a vegetable of the month. So we might pick purple cauliflower one month and we might pick rainbow chard another uh, month. And so we're always putting new and different vegetables on that salad bar in those particular schools because the school district, from a financial perspective, has determined that in those schools where we've been working the longest, those kids are more willing to eat more varieties of vegetables. So we're recording this in December. What's the vegetable of the month um, currently? Broccoli. Broccoli, because around here where we are, when you go to the farmer's market, broccoli just started appearing just last month. So this is broccoli season. Exactly. And you would be surprised by how many kids we work with who have never seen things like broccoli or pears. And so broccoli has a reputation of being bitter. How, how are you introducing broccoli? What, what sort of preparations are you doing? You know, we'll do it any and always. One of the things that uh, the kids actually asked us to make that we're um, cooking this week in food literacy class while the raw broccoli is on the salad bar at the school for their lunch in food literacy class, we are making a broccoli potato taco. And the kids actually asked us to make that. And we actually had a taco contest last year at one of our schools. We did a cactus taco versus the broccoli taco. (laughs) And the broccoli taco one. And let me tell you that recipe is on our website at foodliteracycenter.org. And if you've never had a broccoli potato taco, your life 
will not be complete <laughs> until you taste this. I know what's on the uh, dinner menu for this week then. Gosh, we'll have get, to check I'm, it out. I'm getting hungry. <laughs> so you talked about broccoli boundaries, don't yuck my yum. And we talked about radish routines in terms of it reintroducing foods in multiple ways. Are there other radish routines that you guys use? Oh, yeah. There's many broccoli boundaries and many radish routines. So another broccoli boundary is that we let kids pick because you want to make sure that kids feel they have a choice in the matter, but it's not an open-ended choice. So for example, if you're a parent and you're making dinner, the choice you're giving your kid isn't hey, what do you want for dinner? Because the answer you're going to get back, whether you're asking an adult or a kid, is going to be pizza, macaroni, chicken nuggets, right? But if you say, tonight for dinner, we're having spaghetti and we're going to add some fun toppings to that spaghetti. And that's going to be either grilled bell peppers or chopped up green onion or sauteed broccoli. You get your choice and we're going to have those out in a dish so you know, already know that we want you eating a fruit or vegetable with every snack or meal. So now we've made the meal and it's spaghetti. Which one of these do you want to put on your spaghetti? Or you could have all of them if you want. You will notice um, when you set that boundary that kids will step up to that. They'll say, oh, these are all my choices. This is fun. Oftentimes they'll put all of them on their plate. So it can't be open-ended. It needs to be a little bit closed, but you do give them the power, the agency to own what they're eating by deciding for themselves of the choices that you're offering. Absolutely. We also do a lot of things at Food Literacy Class. The recipes that we tend to make are like a taco, where here's a variety of, they're all healthy choices. Put whatever you want of these choices into your taco. When I have my nephews come to visit, we'll do like a panini party. And I've got a bunch of ingredients out on the table. They're all healthy choices. And they can put whatever they want into those sandwiches as we're making paninis. And there is no wrong choice, right? And so, but the kids get excited because they're like, oh, I might like that. I don't know. And sometimes they end up making a creation that they're not excited about. And that's fine too. <laughs> yeah, it's all part right? of the process. <laughs> we actually one time had a kid put kale in their peanut butter sandwich. And I said, how was that? It was really good. I think I'll do it again. Really? <laughs> that is not one thing I would think of for my peanut butter sandwich, but I like that. I guess I just want to make clear that like pretty much you can make sure that kids will eat vegetables if you like fry them. So like fried zucchini, fried broth, anything fried pretty much is pretty good tasting. But we're talking about making sure that it's healthy. Correct. We're not frying any food in food literacy. <laughs> okay. um, nope, we actually don't do that um, because we do want them to experience healthy food. And so we're trying to get them to fall in love with things that are going to protect their health. And, you know, and from a parent side, frying stuff is really hard and complicated. Mm -hmm. <laughs> put out a um, box grater and a carrot and tell your kid, hey, put some carrot confetti on your XYZ, whatever you're eating, they will do it because it's really fun. And then you've just given them the work. And the name is great too, Carrot, Carrot confetti. confetti. I love that. Uh, yeah. So one thing that I'm really interested in is we talked about how your programs are largely in low-income neighborhoods with kids. And there can be some unique barriers with this population in getting them to have access to fresh fruits and vegetables at home and taking what they're learning in your program home. So can you talk about how you bridge that? 
Absolutely. Yeah. So we are working with kids who they actually uh, eat three meals a day at school because they are food insecure. So they're getting free breakfast, lunch, and if they're in an after school program, supper with their um, after school program as well. So we know that they have that salad bar during lunch and we know that they're being given fruits and vegetables in these meals. So our role is really critical to ensuring that they're going to take advantage of what they're being offered. But when it comes to going home, we know they're going back to a food insecure household. At the end of every semester, we offer kids farmers market. And so we will go to the food bank and we just, you know, we're hauling 50 pound bags of potatoes and onions and cabbages. And we set up a beautiful farm stand and we give the kids fake money and we let them shop. And we also um, teach them in that same lesson how to create a grocery list. So we have a coloring chart and we'll, and we make a soup. And the only thing missing from the soup recipe are the vegetables. And so we'll ask the kids to circle on the coloring chart or color in the vegetables that they would like to put in the soup. And they also happen to be the vegetables that they can then shop for uh, in their kids' farmer's market. So they'll end up getting to take, they'll taste the soup and make the soup in class. And then they get to go shop for the ingredients. And we also work with a local company called Allspicery and they donate the spices for that soup. So we, we send them home with a little kit so that they can continue to practice these healthy habits. That's really, really great. We talked um, in a previous episode about ranch dressing. And so could you talk to us about this for older kids? Because we know that kids love ranch dressing, but we are concerned about the that ranch dressing can be high in fat, high in salt content, and that it may not be the healthiest thing for kids. We make our own and it's really easy and fun. Yeah. And we actually, um, we make a little, we have a recipe for the spices that go into ranch and um, there's no salt in our recipe. So you could add your own and we will stir it into something like Greek yogurt or low fat sour cream. Um, And sometimes we even take that same mix and we will sprinkle it onto air pop popcorn with olive oil uh, so that the kid because the kids in our schools um, are super into hot Cheetos and spicy Takis. So how about making a healthy whole grain, which is popcorn, putting a healthy olive oil on there and then our ranch seasoning mix uh, and kids love our ranch popcorn. And then we also show them because we've already trained them that they need a fruit or vegetable with every snack or meal. So if we're eating our popcorn snack of ranch, we're also going to have a vegetable snack. So we stir that same ranch mix that's on our popcorn into some yogurt, and then the kids dip vegetable sticks into it. Um, So yes, a homemade ranch is going to go a lot farther uh, for your health, but kids definitely do need to combine uh, a bit of fat with their vegetables while they're taking them in. We, We definitely want that to be a healthy fat. I have a question about bringing snacks to school. So there's almost this thing going on like parent peer pressure where you're like, well, I don't want my kid to be the only kid without cookies in their lunchbox or fruit snacks, or they're always complaining when they come home that their friends have better snacks than them. So how can we kind of reframe that conversation so that parents don't feel like they're a bad parent for leaving this out? My biggest takeaway, I hope, for parents is that you have to be brave. And when you show up with vegetables for your child, yeah, they might in that very moment be like, oh, I wanted a cookie uh, and maybe say something that hurts your feelings or embarrasses you. But but 
as the adult, you need to be the brave one. And the message that you will be sending your child is that you care about their health and that that is the most important thing is their health. And the students that we teach our food literacy classes to, they tell us over and over again that one of their favorite things about their food literacy class is that we show up for them. And what they're telling us is that they know we care because what crazy people come into school and like do cartwheels over carrots, <laughs> um, right? Like the adult that does that for a child is showing them they matter. Definitely. So really in the end, you know, being there, telling them that you love them and that you're doing this because you want them to grow up to be healthy and happy and, you know, thrive is really the thing that matters. And if you show up with joy and say, oh my gosh, I got you guys apples. I love these apples. They are so delicious. You're showing them that you believe in these apples the same way that you could give them an Oreo and be like, we brought these because they're delicious. What if you did that (laughs) with an apple? Right. Totally. Totally. I think those are really, really important topics. So we're running out low on time. Is there anything else that you want to say for parents that is just the kicker? You want them to take this home, especially for their kids ages, kindergarten through sixth grade to incorporate. Definitely. First of all, parents, you can do it. And secondly, I encourage you to once a week, go with your child to the market, whatever market that is, and just pick one thing. Have the child pick one fruit or vegetable and make it your mission for the week to taste that one fruit or vegetable. Either taste it raw or learn to cook something with it and do that every single week. Don't go and buy five because that's too overwhelming and it's too much. But if you do one a week and it will become a thing you do, a routine, a radish routine, by the end of the year, you're probably gonna end up with 20 new favorites And you will have become a food adventurer, which is the most important thing that when you see those new fruits and vegetables, the thing you're thinking is, whoa, I wonder what that tastes like and not, oh, do I have to? So it's all about an attitude shift and an approach shift. And parents, you can do it. So an attitude shift. So for parents not to get in the way and other adults not to get in the way of their children enjoying vegetables, having creating a positive environment and enthusiasm, and then presenting these vegetables in a variety of preparations. Absolutely. Yep. Put that color in your life. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about um, with Amber about the Food Literacy Center here in Sacramento, but parents can look in their own communities to find their own food literacy centers and try to make sure that their schools get involved with these programs. Yeah. And you can go to foodliteracycenter.org and learn a bit more about us. Right. And we'll put a link to that on our website because I'm sure parents are going to want to be able to find that ranch um, dressing and be able to make and that popcorn. don't forget the tacos. And the tacos, the yeah. The broccoli tacos. All right, Amber, thanks so much for calling in today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so we want to thank Amber Stott, the chief food uh, genius at the Food Literacy Center here in Sacramento. And I just want to, this just does remind me of a, of a joke. Uh-oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, so... What's orange and sounds like a parrot? What? A carrot. Uh, his jokes are, he's not known for his jokes. <laughs> what vegetable is a nosy vegetable? A nosy vegetable. I don't know. A pepper because it's jalapeno business. <laughs> <laughs> so much better. That's good. I love right. it. Thank you again, Amber.
were you a picky eater growing up? I was never a picky eater. At least not the, in my memory. I was not. Um, I think I was pretty adventurous. Yeah, I actually remember the opposite. I was not a picky eater, but I do remember my grandmother. She would make me, from the old country, she would make borscht. Do you know what that is? So that's like a beet soup. And, you know, it's beets, okay? It's like usually not one of kids' favorite vegetables. And she used to make that. And I was polite as a kid. And so she would say, do you like that? And I'd say, oh, yeah, thanks, thanks, Graham, for making the, the borscht. And I'd eat as much of it as I could. And I, every time I'd see her, see her, she'd say, oh, Jean, I made your favorite. I made borscht <laughs> for you. And then I'd like sit there and I'd have to eat it. And I, and I did. It was probably it, a good it learning of, opportunity it was, for you to be a It was, and it came out of adventure. a place of love. So right. I appreciated that And food tends to come out of a place of love. You know, um, meal times are really family time. Mm-hmm. And you get to try other people's, like, what's your favorite thing to make? And um, even just the other day, we had our friends over and we made pizzas and they brought their two-year-old and he had so much fun putting all of the uh toppings on the pizza and so those are all really really special and important things to do with your kids Mm -hmm. and great memories and great memories all for food adventurers absolutely that wraps up this episode of kids considered you can find more information on our website kidsconsidered.ucdavis.edu Follow us on Twitter at Kids Considered and Instagram at Kids Considered. If you have feedback on this show or topics you would like us to discuss in the future, we would love to hear from you. Please call us. Our number is 916-915-3388 or email us at kidsconsidered at gmail.com Please rate us on iTunes or wherever you subscribe to your podcasts. Thank you for listening and we hope you will join us for our next podcast. Kids Considered is sponsored by UC Davis Children's Hospital. 